You are listening to the Life Community Church Sermon Podcast. Life Community is a church for the city, making much about the name of Christ. This podcast is available through all major platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. If you enjoy and are challenged by our teaching, we invite you to subscribe to the channel on whatever platform you choose as we seek to anchor ourselves to the unchanging truth of God's Word together. Thanks for listening. few weeks, you guys have probably made some pretty unique and difficult decisions. Uh, many of you have feasted with your families, and unknowingly, you have submitted yourself to long-standing traditions, authority that you may or may not disagree with to greater degrees, but nonetheless, you have submitted to those things. For instance, for years, you have submitted to the fact that your family gathers in a house that's entirely too small for you. But you do it because mom asks you to do it and you submit to your mom. For years, you have endured with great submissive quietness uh, your father's dry and unflavored turkey. And you have opted instead to make your own version of KFC's famous bowls to balance out its dryness with corn and mashed potatoes. I get it, right? Now, during Thanksgiving, we defer authority to others. Uh, where we sit, where we don't sit, we don't sit in grandpa's seat. Everybody knows that. Uh, we, we defer authority on where we meet, when we meet, how long we stay there, and even what's on the TV. Now, maybe you've come from a line of Detroit Lions fans, and you've had years suffer the abuse of watching the Lions on Thanksgiving, and maybe you'd like to change that, but you submit to it still. Good for you. Good for you anyways. The point here is that we submit to others if we see its virtue and benefit for ourselves. Yet we must acknowledge as humans who are fallen in creation, there is a streak of rebelliousness in all of us, isn't there? A streak of, of desiring not to submit to authority. We become a bit coiled like a, a cobra when we hear submission and authority, ready to lash out and say, but, and, and Americans in particular uh, are known worldwide for maybe having an intolerance to submission and authority. We can be seen as crass and indulgent self-preservers. I mean, our own founding was the result of us rebelling against a country across the ocean. And so when you ground that into modernity or, or this post-modern world that we live in, where the assumption is, is that each individual has their own truth, that each individual is their own authority and their own sovereigns in life, the idea of submitting to an obedience seems to be a bit lost. I mean, we sort of live by the virtue of being true to yourself, not being true to others. And so the idea of submission and obedience is a little clouded for us. But yet our scripture stands in stark contrast to the world. Uh, the pages of the Bible tell us the necessary, the necessary livelihood of submitting ourselves to someone other than us. That's what faith is about. It tells us that at our best, our self-perception of reality and truth leads to self-deception. And at worst, it leads to evil and condemnation. And so the authors of the Bible ask very poignant question, like, do you know what's in the heart of man? That we're wicked by nature. 
that nobody can understand our heart. It tells us that we as humans have a desire that is bent towards selfishness, of pleasing ourselves. It says that the foolish one is the one that walks their own path. And that path of the fool eventually leads to destruction. The wisdom of Scripture tells us that if we want to live our life, that we actually have to die to self. That if we want to be blessed, we have to be poor in spirit and meek. That if we want to be wise, that it begins with our fear of the Lord. The Apostle Paul writes it this way. He says that it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And so the reality of Scripture tells us that faith isn't faith, that isn't faithful, meaning that it doesn't have obedience or submission. It's of no value to us. If we don't trust and prefer God over ourselves, the one who has saved us and made us and keep us, all sorts of calamity and chaos come into our life. And so the scripture tells us that authority and submission and obedience are actually good and right gifts given to us by a loving God who knows that his children should not trust themselves near as much as they think they should. But they should instead defer to a better wisdom, a better accountability, and a greater and better community of faithful believers. And so this morning, as we end our time in the book of Hebrews, we're going to look at the calling that this writer has for God's people to humbly come towards the church, towards leadership, and obey and submit to the leaders. Now, look, I, I don't think that this is going to be a message you're going to leave. Man, that was inspiring. Uh, I, I hope that I can leave here today with better obedience to Steve or the elders of this church, right? Uh, but I do think that we must understand that there is a necessity for us as believers to submit um, first to God and then to each other. And so we're going to walk through that today. But let's first pray, and then we'll jump in our scripture. Lord, we just come before you, and we admit, like, I, I just solely admit, Lord, that I, I want to live for myself, that, that, that the submission is not natural for me, um, to, to die to myself is not natural to me, uh, but Lord, submission and obedience is a part of your design, and it's good for us, and it conveys good things for us, and there's powerful results in the lives of the faithful who submit to one another and submit to you. And so let us learn from your word today. Let, us, let it be used in our lives to convict us and bring joy and gladness to the areas that your spirit is calling out in our lives. And by all means, let us trust it as the sufficient wisdom for our life. We love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your beautiful name. Amen. And so let's read Hebrews 13, 17 through 25. It says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the most earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now, may the God of peace who brought again... From the dead of our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.
I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation. For I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with all of you. So I think we should listen to the words of this wonderful writer uh, that we would bear with these words of exhortation, that we would wrestle with what he is saying to us today, and specifically in the area of obedience and submission. Now, as I see it, we have six sort of talking points today to walk through. The first thing that we have to do is define what it is that this author means when he says leader. And then we have to talk about what authority do these leaders have. And then thirdly, we want to look at the character that these leaders should have. And fourthly, we want to look at their work. What is the work of these leaders? And then fifth, we want to pivot a little bit and look at the response of the followers, those who obey and submit. And then lastly, we want to look at the fruit of this glad submission in the body of Christ. What does this bear in our lives? And then we'll end our time with communion today. And so in a general sense, when we hear the word leader in these texts, we're we're defining that term as anybody who leads. Anybody who sets an example for others. But here in this context, it means inside the local church. So certainly it means elder or pastor. It's not limited to those things, but it does mean those things. There's, there's a bit of difference. I don't know if you've experienced this in different churches, but there's a bit of a difference in how church leadership structures itself. And I want to walk through just a few of these to kind of get an idea of how churches structure themselves. There, there are many churches who are led by what is called a congregational role. And so this is sort of pure democracy, as you could say. It's, it kind of has its bend towards the, the, the U.S. Constitution. And it means that all members, regardless of their spiritual maturity, uh, have a vote on all matters of the church. Now, this may satisfy our democratic leanings, but there really isn't a whole lot of evidence in the New Testament that this is how we should structure our church. Now, if you would, if you really wanted to kind of bring this to Scripture, you could take the verse that says that we are to submit to one another as kind of a basis of of this sort of of government, that we all are leaders in a sense because we submit to each other. Uh, Another form of church government is called uh, Episcopalian, and this has uh, this hierarchical form of government where the local church is governed by like a pastor or a rector or a a priest, and that person reports to a bishop, and then that bishop reports to the heads of the denomination. And there's actually quite a bit more biblical support for this kind of government than there is of a congregational And so the congregation submits to a lead pastor, and and that pastor submits so forth up and down the chain. And and another uh, kind of model that maybe doesn't get acknowledged, but it it really is true, it's called the senior pastor model. Uh, you could call it the, the totalitarian, the, 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 uh, to, to, I mean, I struggle with that word. Um, it's, it's more of a dictatorship model. Uh, that the, There is a lead pastor, and they are the supreme leader of the church. Under, of course, Jesus, as we would say, but that whatever that leader decides, whatever his vision is, everyone must follow that. Uh, and I suppose that that person is following Christ, and that does happen. The, the challenge for that is, is that it's really kind of unbiblical. Uh, because there's no accountability for this single 
person. I think as a humanity, we think that you know, we need autonomous places to sort of to, to be our own authorities. I don't think the scripture agrees with that. And so I would be very careful of a model of church that doesn't have local oversight and eldership. And that leads us to our last model, which happens to be our model. It's called a Presbyterian model. It's an elder form of leadership. And I'm not going to take a lot of time to run through all the scriptures why I think that this is uh, maybe the most biblical, biblically faithful model. Uh, but I just think it makes the most sense that God is called a group of qualified and gifted men to serve the church. And we find those different qualifications in books like Titus and Timothy and the examples of it in Acts and 1 Peter. The primary function of an elder is to shepherd the church through leading, feeding, and protecting the flock. And so that said, in our context today, when we hear this word leader, what we're talking about is elder or pastor in our local context. Now, we have six of them here. You, you will see them rotate up here quite every week. They will be praying the dismissal prayer, and their responsibility is, is of oversight, of management, of shepherding the body. And so as leaders that are called and gifted and godly, we are to obey them and to submit to their authority. Now, I say we on purpose. Because I am an elder. I, I'm not the lead elder. In fact, I, I don't vote as an elder. I'm not the supreme leader of this church. There is a plurality of elders who have to mutually lead and submit to one another out of their reverence for Christ. And we've disagreed on lots of things. But actually, we love each other in the fact that we disagree because we are, we are carrying out the will of God for us to submit to one another as we submit to Christ. And so what kind of authority do these leaders in our church have? What, what is their authority that is given to them in this local setting? So I, I think there are three important words that help us describe the authority that is given to a church leader. Uh, the first is that it's dependent the second that it's, is that it's limited, and the third is that it's accountable. Now, it is dependent because we believe that all authority exists in God and God alone. And the only authority that mankind has is God, and then God delegates that authority by design to other people. So we are delegated authority by the God of the universe. James says this in chapter 4 of his epistle. He says, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So first and primarily as believers, we submit ourselves to God. Each and every one of you first submit yourself to God. Leaders and followers are like, that's my responsibility, that's your responsibility, that's our elders' responsibility. We submit ourselves to the person of God and the word of God. All authority that we have as leaders exists in the word of God. We don't have any authority outside of the word of God. Now, in our scripture, we see something interesting that Jesus himself submitted himself to the will of the Father. He submitted himself to the authority of the Father in the Godhead. And we read this in Matthew 28. And it says this, that, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. So the Father has delegated the power to Jesus to do what? To live out and fulfill the perfect will of the Father on earth. And so the Godhead or the Trinity exists, as we know, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, each person having equal value, equal worth, equal dignity, and equal glory 
but different in function. You could say it like this. The father creates the plans. The son, the God, the son, he implements those plans. And God, the Holy Spirit, he is the ongoing administration of those plans. Each one of the persons in the God's head submitting themselves to one another out of perfect love, without coercion or manipulation. It's a submission that is glad and fruitful. And the reason I say this The reason I say this is because I think it's important for us to understand that obedience and submission was not the response that God had for us after the fall. He didn't look at humanity who sinned and say, ah, I wish that I would have put better structure in their life. No, mutual submission has always been the founding principle of a relationship with God. We see it in the very beginning in the infinite and unchanging Godhead. All authority rests in God and God alone. And he delegates that power for the will of God to be done on earth for the flourishing of mankind and for the imaging of his son. In Romans 13, it says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. I know that's controversial. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. And so the scriptures teach us implicitly of necessary submission, first to God, then to church leadership, then to earthly governments. Husbands are then to submit themselves to Christ. Wives are to submit themselves as to their husband as they do to Christ. And children are to submit themselves to their parents as they should submit themselves to Christ. And believers, you and I, the faithful, are to submit ourselves to one another as we would to Christ. So the call of the believer is what? It's a call to be a servant. It's a call to consider others as more important than us. It, it, we are dependent on an authority that lives outside of ourselves. It's a God-given authority. But that authority is limited by nature. We don't, we don't obey every earthly government, just the one that we live in. We don't obey every church leader, just those leaders that God has placed over us to watch us. Husbands, we we don't submit ourselves to any version of Christ, but the one that submitted himself that willfully died on the cross for his bride, the church. Wives, you don't submit yourselves to any man, one godly husband who gives their life as Christ gave the church. Believers and children, you don't submit yourself to any parents. You submit yourself to your parents. And believers, we don't submit ourselves to every believer, but we submit ourselves to those who have the fruit of faith in their life. And so I want to make it clear that we just don't blindly go in and obey every authority on earth that God, believe that God has placed it over us and we have to obey. We do submit, but there's a limited nature to the authority that we obey. Yet, There's also an accountability to all that authority, meaning that all authority delegated by God is accountable first and primarily to God and his words, which means this, is that no one glories in themselves. There is no one in the Christian world that glories in their own authority except for God the Father. Christ glorified the Father And all of those who are the faithful glorify or boast in the Son through the Spirit. It's very beautiful if you think about this. If you think about it, that we submit ourselves to others as we do to God. 
knowing that every authority in our lives will give an account to God on how well they led us. And so look, that means that the only way that my leadership is beneficial to me as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, as, as a believer, the only way that my leadership is beneficial to me is if it's godly. Because if it's not godly, then I will be held accountable for that. And so the scripture here says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. So we don't follow people blindly, but only as they are over us do we submit ourselves to them, but to God first. We don't obey every authority, especially those that contradict the wisdom of the Bible. And I need you to note that as a citizen and a member of a church, a husband, a wife, a child, we obey in all that we can, except for what runs in contradiction to the word of God. And so that is why we are to obey and submit to our leaders, that they are seeking a right and godly authority in their lives, and they are trying to live that godly authority over your life. Now, what about the character of these leaders? Because character matters. You know, we follow our church leaders because of authority, but man, when they have good character, it makes it a lot easier and much more of a joy to follow those leaders. And so if we think back just a few verses here in Hebrews 13, verse 7, uh, the author said, remember your leaders, right? To those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. And so when you have leaders that practice good authority, who have spoken the word of God over your life, that pastor or elder understands that they have no authority outside of the scripture. But it also says that they have lived in a way that they have upheld the words of scripture in their life. Not only have they taught the scripture, but they live the scripture. Consider their example and imitate it. The elder pastor is to have a life that echoes the teaching of the word to be faithful to the scripture and meek amongst the people of God. And so our submission to church leaders isn't based on their their charismatic nature. It's not based upon their, their dynamic personality or anything impressive in their human gifting. We submit to leaders who first and primarily love God and desire to live like Christ. Not that they do that perfectly. We can't hold our leaders up to that perfect standard. But there is evidence in their life that they desire to live like Christ. Now, the author here is writing to them. And it seems as though the author might be in chains for the gospel. Because he's asking that they pray for them for a couple things. And I think that these are things that the character of a leader should exemplify. He asks them to pray for clear consciences. To be honorable. That they might come to visit it. And so what that means is that church leaders must be above reproach, that there must not be a hint of sin visible in their lives, that they must live honorable life. Character is what matters here. Character matters in the Christian leader. It's not necessarily about the gifting. Too often as believers in Christ, we, we have followed people with dynamic gifts that are devoid of character instead of falling after people who are full of character and faithful to the scripture. Be careful 
with who you let influence you. There are lots of podcasts and different sermons out there. Be careful with what you let influence you. There are so many pastors and churches that are built on building their brand and not equipping the saints to do the work of God. Be careful of who you let influence you. And so that's the character. What is the work of these leaders? Well, we see it in three different phases here, three different areas. Uh, The work of a leader that is godly, that obeys the right authority, that lives the right authority, is to watch out over the word. And so the elder pastor is to keep a firm hold on the word of God, to keep it pure and undefiled, to fight against worldliness coming into the word. I think we have a great example of this in our author here in the book of Hebrews. Like this guy spent almost 11 chapters focusing on right doctrine and belief before he did anything on practical living. Right belief, good doctrine is the springboard for faithfulness and joy in Christ. A pastor must fight for the word to watch over the word to make sure that we're not misusing it or abusing it. In Hebrews, in chapter 2, the author said that we must pay closer attention to that what we've heard, meaning the word of God, so that we do not drift away from it. And so the job of a leader is to help any congregation pay closer attention to the word so that they don't drift away, that they persevere in faith. So any teacher that is worth their weight must lead people to submit to God and not to himself. That is the goal of the pastor, the elder, is that they would create submission to God and not to yourself. The second area of work for the the leader in the church is to watch over their conduct, as as we've mentioned already. Uh, the, The leader are accountable or more accountable to God for our behavior than Christians in general. So the normative Christian, I am held at a higher standard with a greater accountability and our elders are the same than the normative member of the church. We as pastors should set a godly example. We should have a higher standard for our leadership because here's what happens. There is a lot more chaos and dysfunction that is created when a leader fails the church than when a member fails the church. And we have read tons of stories in our news cycle about pastoral failings in their leadership. Leaders are held to accountable, a higher sense of accountability. In 1 Timothy, it says this to, to the leaders. It says to pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Preserve and persevere in these things. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear. So again, So again, the salvation of our hearers depends in some measure of the faithfulness of the leaders to be watchful over their own conduct, themselves, as well as their doctrine. And then thirdly, the the work of the leader is to watch over the people, for they are, as the scriptures say, keeping a watch over our souls. Hebrews 10 says, let us consider one another for stirring up to love and good works and deeds, that we are to stir up each other. If people are are watching over each other for the sake of, 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 that's what we're called, for the stirring up of love and of good deeds. And so there's a mutual commitment that we make together, you the follower, me the leader, to be stirring each other up towards greater love and better deeds. And I 
and more accountable in that. And so this, look, this is why we are so focused on things like Sunday groups and our midweek because we can't watch over each other. Like, I know that that sounds like a stalker. It's not a stalker, right? We can't watch over each other unless we exist in smaller pockets of community. Quite frankly, we can't get to know each other if all we do is just come in this room on Sunday. And so that's why we're committed to these small group settings that you can watch over each other and that you can be known by one another. And so the work of the pastor or the leader is to watch over their people. And so there's a watchfulness uh, in the work of a leadership, a a watchfulness of the word, uh, a watchfulness of themselves, and a watchfulness of the people. And so if you're a believer, right, and you exist in a congregation where there is a leader or a plurality of leaders that submit themselves first to God, who understand that the only authority that they have is given, that is given to them is that of the word of God, who practice that authority in the way that they live their life and are responsible to do the work of a leader, they have given you good evidence, have they not, to trust them with your submission and obedience as you see them walk faithfully in their character. Now, the author uses two terms here, obey and submit. To obey literally means to be persuaded, it's to, it's to trust. It means to rely upon. Uh, the idea here is that the people would listen to what their leaders have to say and embrace it. That they would listen and embrace the godly leader in what they have to say. And of course, your obedience is ultimately tied and governed by the word of God, God not by any human being. And so if I or any other pastor or anybody that shares this say, stage should ever teach you something that's contrary to the scripture or counsels you to act in a way that doesn't honor the word, of course you should not obey that. Like, you should not obey that. You should obey the truths of God's word. Not, not God's word as you see it, but God's word that is kind of held accountable and flushed out in groups. Don't listen to the pastor or the leader that is making you walk unfaithfully with the Lord. We are not the Lord. We're, we're only pointing you to Christ. And so follow us as far as we set an example for Christ. Imitate us as we imitate Christ. And so listen and heed their teaching only insofar that they're consistent with the scripture. Now the word submit means to yield. It means to yield. It's to have a notion of willful compliance. And so the idea here in verse 17 is that the members of the local church should be disposed in their hearts to trust their leaders. That they should be disposed to trust their leaders And not just be suspicious of them. Now, isn't that hard? (laughs) I I probably am more suspicious of people than most of us. But that is not godly. If we have leaders in our life displaying godly character and a godly understanding of authority who teach the word and live the word, it is only for your benefit when they come to you and they say, hey, I want to talk about this in your life that you would trust that they might love you more than you think they do. And that maybe they are trying to spur you to greater love and faithfulness to the Lord. Our task as leaders is to do that. 
It's not to tell you uh, how to do everything in your life. The, the role of the leader in the church is not to make noise about things that are silent in the scripture. I'm not here to tell you who to date. I'm not here to tell you what to wear. Uh, I'm not here to tell you what TV shows that you need to watch. Our task is to help you have biblical wisdom that can lead to greater discernment in those areas in your life. And so what is the fruit that comes from a congregation with good leaders, with proper authority, who preach the word and live the word? And those congregants, those fathers, they submit gladly, not coerced to follow the leaders or listen, but gladly because of their examples. What sort of fruit do we see in that congregation, the outcome of that sort of lifestyle? Well, we see it here in this little benediction that our grateful, our graceful pastor gives to the people as he concludes this letter. What sort of outcome should those whom are followers of Christ living under godly authority expect? It says that we should expect a life where we know the peace of God. That through our teaching the word, through the leader's living of the word, through watching over the people and, and managing the conflict within our congregation, pointing each other towards forgiveness and grace, that we would understand that by faith in Jesus, that God approaches us in peace and not condemnation. And that we get to live that peace out amongst one another. Another fruit of, of, of that sort of congregation it is one that has the blessing of having a shepherd that resembles the great shepherd of our faith in Jesus. It is such a joy for us to know a gentle and lowly pastor who, who, who just focuses on teaching the word of God and being faithful to the scripture and being faithful to the congregation. It's a blessing in that way. It, 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 the, outcome, the other outcome is that we, we are equipped for every good work by this sort of godly authority and submission. We are equipped for every good work to do the will of God on earth. And lastly, as our author says here, that we become a pleasing sight to God. That as we live harmoniously in mutual glad submission to one another, being held accountable to God and the word, that we become a pleasing aroma to Christ in the heavenly realm. And we become not only a pleasing aroma to Christ, but we become a pleasing aroma to a dying and decaying world that are seeking the peace and the joy and the love that the faithful in Christ have in a congregation at peace under godly authority that loves the word and walks the word. And so that is the fruit of a congregation in glad submission to one another. But here's the thing. Every ounce of our life wants us to rebel against authority. I know that that's in you. I know that it's in me. But we have to understand the wisdom of the scriptures for our flourishing. And that way leads to destruction. Everything in the scripture tells us that the flourishing joy, peace, and blessing of the people of God come through our obedience and submission to God and to one another. And so this is your question that you have to visit today. It's the question that our author gives to us. Are, are you someone 
that makes it a joy to lead you? Are you the type of believer that makes it a joy to lead you? Or are you the type of believer that causes trouble? And that is what we wrestle with today as we understand the focus of what God means to be leaders, what those leaders have in authority, the character of those leaders, the work of those leaders, the response of the people of faith, and the fruit of a congregation in joyful submission. Are you a joy to lead? Or are you trouble? So let's turn and focus on the Lord's table today. We come together on these last Sundays of every month to take our communion. It is because of the risen Christ that we can join together every Sunday as a community of broken but hopeful believers who seek to to live what he lived, to love what he loved, to do as he taught, to strive to be faithful in this our time and place. And so in this meal, we remember Jesus. We remember his promises, the price that he paid for us, who he was, what he said, what he did for us. On the night before Jesus died, he took a loaf of bread He gave thanks and broke it and said, take and eat. Whenever you do this, remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and he poured it out saying, this is the new covenant. Remember me. Today we do remember. We remember the love of Christ. We remember his friendship, his teaching, his dying, and his raising again to life. And in this meal, we make a shared proclamation by faith. And this is our shared proclamation that Christ has died, that Christ has risen, that Christ will come to us again. Can we say that together as a body of believers? Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. The body of Christ, the bread of life represented in the cracker. The lifeblood of Christ, the cup of blessing represented in the juice. These are the gifts of God for God's people, and we're thankful for these gifts. And so if you're in here today and you have a faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus, know that you're welcome to the table. If you're in here today and you're seeking and you're trying to figure out who is this Jesus, man, we're so glad that you're here, but know that this, as the scripture tells us, is for the family of God to come and remember the sacrifice and the life that Christ brings to us. And so let's spend, actually, we're going to spend a few, uh, you know, you're going to maybe cringe at this, but I enjoy when we spend a moment or two in silence where we get to spend some time just talking to the Lord. Maybe, maybe you were considering the question, how well uh, do I, or what, what kind of joy do I produce in my leaders? Am I troubled? Maybe you spend some time, but also thinking about who in our lives that we have sinned against. And the scripture tells us that if we feel like we have sinned against somebody, if God prompts our hearts that way, we should go and make that right before we take of the body and the cup of blessing. And so let's spend some moments together taking God seriously, taking his word seriously, taking forgiveness and grace seriously and partake of this meal. As always, we tell you as families in here, that parents, you are the chief discipler of your children. It is your responsibility to tell them when it is their time to partake in the communion. I'm not going to sit here and tell you when that's their time. So let's spend some time in prayer together, and the band will lead us. David will pray us out.